0: Amen. I want to welcome you to Cornerstone Church of Baton Rouge. If you're just finding us somehow on our YouTube channel, we're especially glad that you found us. You can you can go to the Cornerstone Church of Baton Rouge and on YouTube and look at all of our recent sermons and messages. We're going to continue until till otherwise, uh till we're able to gather together again physically, we'll continue. On Sunday mornings at 10.30, they have our services via the YouTube. And then on 7 p.m. on Wednesdays, we will have our devotionals followed by a time of prayer. Sunday nights at 6 for our church, we'll have our, our prayer meetings. It's been going wonderfully. I thank the Lord for it. And we'll do that the via the group meet uh, text for our church. Also, if you're interested in finding out more about Cornerstone Church of Baton Rouge, you, we have a wonderful website you can go to tccbr.org, tccbr.org, and it'll tell you all about our church and what we believe and our doctrine and and what we're all about, what God's called us to. I also want to say this morning, Happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers, to my mother, to my wife, uh, to all of our mothers. I thank God for you. And you have the most important profession, the most important calling on the whole earth, is to, to bring up children in the ways of God, in the things of God. I pray a special blessing upon our mothers this morning. I want you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. And we're actually going to read just one verse. Now we'll talk a little bit more about this story as we go, this account. But in Luke 5, verse 5. And Simon answering, said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And the, Jesus is on the lake Gennesaret. It's also called, called the Sea of Tiberius, And he's there and he's the crowds of people are so great to hear him preach and minister that he is. Uh, he's on one of the, the two ships right off the, the bank. He's asked Peter to, to set, it, set one of the ships offshore just a little bit. And he used that for his platform to address the people and to preach. And a little bit later, when he was finished speaking to the people, he said, Simon, in verse 4, when he left speaking, he said, Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draw, or for a catch or for a haul." And Peter's response, we read, Master, we have toiled all the n- n- night and have taken nothing. I want to stop right there before we go any further because literally this is what we're going to talk about this morning. The first half of verse 5 of Luke chapter 5. And I would say this is often the story of our own lives, it's often the story of many, or if not most, of our own experiences. Master, we've toiled all the night and we've taken nothing told all the night and taken nothing. This is the reality of our lives as we undertake to prosper or to endeavor to achieve something or accomplish something that we think is worthy, uh, something we desire to be successful and we start out to do it, we begin to do it. This would be the story of our lives as we endeavor to prosper or to be successful in some area of our life without Christ. Without Christ without the leading of the Lord, without His grace, without seeking it by faith, whatever we're pursuing, whatever, I want to be successful in this, and you fill in the blank what it is, whatever we would seek, without seeking it by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, without His blessing, without His strength, without also a sincere desire in our hearts for the Lord to be glorified through it all. For the Lord Jesus Christ to be exalted. So this is what we're going to talk about this morning on our own. Now listen, this is not a message for the lost person trying to be successful without Jesus. We're going to talk about the lost person in a little while and their success. But keep in mind, this message this morning, I believe the Lord is speaking to our hearts as His body, as the redeemed of the Lord. On our own, even as the saints of God, we will struggle You might have found this to be your own experience. I have it many times in my life. I have. We will struggle. We will strive. We will work hard and bring home little or nothing. Even truly born again people, as I said, we will find ourselves fruitless and frustrated. We will find ourselves discouraged and disappointed. We will find ourselves perplexed and wondering, God, why am I working so hard and so little is coming from it. Why Why am I continuing? It's almost like beat my head against the wall. Lord, I'm trying. I'm working so hard. It seems like everything I set my mind and heart to do and really go after and, and work after is unsuccessful. We're going to find that if we're continuing to endeavor without the Lord, and remember, this is the whole key this morning. We endeavor to work without the Lord. We're going to reap very little we are going to reap such minimal gain from all of our labors we're going to find ourselves like peter on this night of fishing on the next morning when he said master we've toiled all the night and taken nothing and i don't think this is just in a business aspect this wouldn't just be economically although i think it would include that but i believe in every area of our lives if we endeavor to do so, and to work and to be prosperous and set our own course and go out there and try to be prosperous without the Lord being the center of it all. He's trying to teach us that this, without, if we endeavor to prosper, and listen, I'm not talking about you endeavor to prosper in something that's sinful or wicked, but if we even endeavor to prosper in a good thing, in a right thing, even a godly or biblical thing, on our own. Now please write that down and circle it. If we endeavor to prosper on our own, in our own strength, in our own wisdom, I would say in our own initiative, where we motivated ourselves, we're following our own will, our wants, our desires, purely in many cases for our own pleasure, our happiness. We might come to the, to the conclusion, I can, I'm going to pursue after this. It's not sinful. So therefore, I'm going to go after it. When We, we pursue something in our, in our own strength and at our own initiative many times without being led by the Lord. Granted, the thing we're pursuing after is not sinful many times. I pray it never is. But the child of God must be directed by God. The child of God must work. And do and plan and pursue for the glory of God and by the prompting of the Lord, by the bidding of the Lord. I'm always thinking about this passage in in Acts, I believe, chapter 13, where the church at Antioch was praying and fasting. And it says, As they prayed and fasted and, and sought the Lord, the Holy Ghost said unto them, Separate unto me, Paul. and and Barnabas for the work that I've called them to do. That was not their own initiative. I'm sure they rejoiced to be called. I'm sure they rejoiced to have this calling upon their lives and to go serve God. But the fact of the matter is, as they worshiped God and sought Him by faith, God spoke to them. It was totally God's initiative. He named the two men in that instance, in that case that He wanted. And we know how God used them both so mightily for His glory. Think about this, that the child of God must be directed by God. God has graciously, and I would really say that, graciously allowed us as His redeemed. The privilege to be partakers of His divine nature, the Word of God says, partakers of this new life. It's a life of Christ in us, by the Holy Spirit that we did not have before we were saved. He has allowed us to be part uh, of His power, To walk in that power. He has allowed us to walk in a victory that he won for us. To walk in that. He has allowed us to be part of his family. And a part of his kingdom. Amen. And and to work for his glory. He's allowed us to be partakers of his glory. And he's going to share the glory of Almighty God with human beings. That he's redeemed. And washed in his blood. He's allowed us and called us to labor. But he's called us to labor as His ambassadors. He's called us to labor on His behalf. He doesn't save us and say, now you're saved. Here's some boundaries. Here's some perimeters. Don't do all these sinful things like idolatry and, and so forth and murder and hating your brother without a cause. But everything else, just go for it, whatever you want, and I'll meet you when you get to heaven. We know that that's not the case. Our working is to be laboring in His fields. Our working is to be as ambassadors for Christ. Our working is to be on His behalf. Doesn't the Bible tell us whatsoever you do, whether you eat or drink? I mean, that's about the most basic things a human being can do. But this is written to Christians. Whatsoever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. So that encompasses all. He, everything is to be done at His leading. Everything is to be done at His will and according to His will, and by His strength, and by His might. We're to labor as He's called us to labor. And in the, the thing that He's called us to labor in. Paul understood this. After he was converted and became Saul, and got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and received this calling of God upon His life, he writes to the Colossians in Colossians 1.29. He says, "...where do I also labor?" So he does work. "...striving according to His... Working, that's the Lord's working, which worketh mightily in me. He's striving, he's working, but he's working according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. So there is a difference. And the Lord promises y'all to bless and prosper his people. We're not just talking about being unfruitful. We want to be prosperous. God wants us to be prosperous, but he, He promises in his word to prosper and bless his people as we labor in his fields, as we labor in what he's called us to do, not something of our own choosing. And we say, God, come bless it. And I think oftentimes as Christians, we're saved. We love the Lord, but sometimes we're not led by the Lord. Sometimes we undertake to prosper, achieve in some area in life, and it's not sinful. But we are just going to do it because we want to do it. And it's a good thing. And we we say, God, come bless it. And We wonder why we're not prospering in it. We wonder why we're frustrated. And then we'll try something else. And maybe we get very frustrated in that as well. God has promised to prosper us. But He's going to prosper us as we work in His will. And He's going to prosper us as we work according to His power, as Paul said, which works in us mightily. That's always going to be successful. I want to read this from Old Testament, from Haggai chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. This is a wonderful verse in light of what we're talking about. Now therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have so much and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe you, But there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts Consider your ways. Now, that's exactly what we're talking about this morning, not prospering when we do things on our own. He says, Consider it. God's telling us this morning, Consider your ways. And it didn't say that they did all kinds in that that passage that we just read necessarily that everything they were trying to do was sinful. They were working and earning wages but they were earning wages that they were basically, not literally, but it was as though they were working hard, they were getting their wages, they were putting it in a bag to save it and to use it as they would need it but the bag had a hole in it and it was all being lost. But they worked so hard for it. That can be The experience that we experience in the reality for our lives if we're not doing it and striving according to His will and by His might. The word toil. When Peter said to the Lord, Master, we have toiled all the night and taken nothing. That word toil means just what you would think it means. It means to work hard, to labor, to feel tired. To be weary. This is not just some light work, you know. Like I'm sweeping with one hand, the floor, and drinking some iced tea with the other. This is work. This is to become weary, to labor, to feel tired. And notice that the, that Peter doesn't say to the Lord, Master, we've told all the night, and we did pretty good. We caught a few fish, maybe not as many as we wanted to. We've taken a little. We've taken some. But he says we've told all the lo- night and taken nothing. God is actually trying to teach this man and all of his disciples that are gathered there. And the Lord is trying to teach you and me as his disciples in this day and age something as well. And it's a very valuable truth if we'll listen. He's trying to teach us because he loves us. You know what he's trying to teach us just in this message and in this thought that he's given us this morning? God does not want us This might sound strange. God does not want us to be successful or prosperous apart from Christ. He doesn't want it. He has no intention of blessing and prospering you or me as believers in any of our endeavors outside of Christ. He has no intention of blessing us outside of Jesus. We're redeemed. We're now part of his family. We're part of his church body. We're part of a new kingdom and his people now have a new king and we're to live according to the edicts and the direction and the strength and the guidance and the, and the wisdom of our new king that we have, have. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I will say this, I said I would mention lost people in just in a little while, well, we're going to talk about a lost person right now. God does allow lost men to succeed up to a point. In this world, we see it. We would be lying if we, we didn't we said we never saw it. God does allow lost men and women, people that don't know the Lord, many that don't want to know the Lord, many will never come to know the Lord. Although Jesus loves them, He allows lost men a measure of success in their worldly pursuits. In fact, some some the Lord allows them to go their own way, and they have great success in their worldly pursuits. They have great riches. They have great power. They attain great uh, prominence. They fulfill a lot of their dreams. And everything seems to be going their way. They're very popular. They're well-liked. Men speak highly of them. They're happy in their pursuits, although they have no real joy. But God allows men in the world a measure of success. And then he's going to judge it. And then he's going to stop it. If they don't repent, if they don't give their lives to Christ by faith in the Lord, he will judge it. He will judge them. He will bring it to a stop. And he is going to stop their worldly success. It's not going to go on forever. Godless success. In other words, just what they pursued without the Lord. Uh, it's actually vanity. It's vanity. It's, it's worldly riches worldly success, it's deceitful. It is not eternal. It doesn't last. The popularity, the fame, the the notoriety, the power that men gain apart from Christ, none of it is going to last. It will surely, not maybe, it will surely come to naught. It will absolutely come to naught. God will see to it that it comes to naught. I think about the godly man Daniel. He loved King Nebuchadnezzar, but Nebuchadnezzar at this point didn't know God, didn't fear God. The second dream that Nebuchadnezzar has that we know of that Daniel interpreted for him had to do with his kingdom and, and this stump that was this tree that was cut cut down. And Daniel said, You're that great tree and, and, and the Lord's warning you now to humble yourself before God. Would you give glory to God? And humble yourself it's not all about you, you have the power and position that you have, and he did. He had the strongest empire in the world and one of the strongest empires in the history of the world, and everything that went with it was was under his authority, but he didn't give glory to god and twelve months later he did not heed because Daniel said, "Let me give you some counsel God, I mean Nebuchadnezzar, let me give you some counsel, O king." Break off your sins with righteousness. It's spiritual. He brought God into the picture. God's warning you, break off your sinful life and turn to the Lord. Begin to do righteousness. Begin to seek after the living God. And evidently, Nebuchadnezzar didn't heed this advice because it was exactly 12 months later, the Bible says. He's walking and he's, maybe he's on his balcony and he's viewing what he can of the... Of the The kingdom that he has. And I'm sure it was amazing to look at. And here's what Nebuchadnezzar said We're talking about a worldly success or a measure of success. God does allow it up to a point, then he'll judge it. Nebuchadnezzar says, "Is Is not this great Babylon that I have built? I have built. For the house of the kingdom, by the might of my power, and for the honor of my majesty. It was all about him. And the Bible says, we just don't have time to read it, while the word was yet in his mouth, the Lord spoke. A voice came from heaven and says, Thy kingdom is departed from thee. And he was driven from among men. He lived like an animal for seven years until you humble yourself and know that the Most High reigns. And he gives authority and kingdoms to men as he will. And he did. He humbled himself after seven years and came back. What's the point of that? The point is that that men in the world do experience success. The psalmist says in 37, For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yet thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken. But the Lord upholdeth the righteous. I have seen the wicked in great power. Wicked people that don't know the Lord. And yet they're prospering. Doesn't seem right. Well, it's not going to last. I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a green bay tree. Yet he passed away and lo, he was not. Yea, I saw him, but he could not be found. Because God brought an end to it. All that is not of Christ, every pursuit, every gain, all that is not of Christ, by Christ, and for Christ, will come to naught. There's going to come a time where all is in Christ. Where Christ is all in all. And all is in Christ. Whether that's an individual life that rejected Jesus as Savior and they died in their sins, they seem so happy and prosperous in this life, an individual. They built their life on sinking sand, and they were foolish, and they died in their sin. They're going to be judged, and they brought their own judgment upon them when they could have been redeemed. Or whether that, whether that's a kingdom of man, a, a nation, a movement, a philosophy, whatever it is outside of Christ will end. God will judge it. It is not for His glory. It will perish. It will absolutely pass away. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, and he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Now I want to get back to the believer. Okay, That's a lost man. But in the believer's life, when we look at that, that account of Peter and his fishing boat, and, and the Lord asking him to Go out a little deeper and let down your nets for a catch. That When he said that we've toiled all night and taken nothing, you know, in one sense you say, well, that was just a bad fishing trip. I've been on some of those before. You could say it was just a, a bad day at the office. He had a, an unfruitful night's work. But I want you to notice the difference when all is done at the Lord's bidding. In other words, when... When he goes on to say, Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down thy net, and he does it. What a difference it made from one moment to the next moment. I want to just read the scripture. If you still turn to Luke, it's in verse chapter 5, verse 6. When they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And, and it says they beckoned to their fellows and they brought the other ship out and they loaded both ships ships with the fish that they caught just in one moment right off the shore and they filled both ships with fish so that they began to sink i'm just simply saying what the lord wants us to learn there's a lot of things from this account in luke 5. there's wonderful things to learn from this whole story but i just want us to notice this morning for our purposes what a difference it makes when the lord directs the fishing trip, so to speak. When when you let go and you just do what God says. Rather than doing what you and I want to do as Christians, and say, Lord, would you come along and bless it? Or Lord, I thought of this new idea. It's going to be wonderful. I'm going to go do, do this. Lord, would you come along and bless it? What a difference it makes when the Lord directs the fishing trip. What a difference it makes how the Lord blessed Peter and, and Andrew and, and, and James and John in their fishing expedition, how he blessed, how he prospered when Peter obeyed. All of Peter's toil from the night before had been, which had been so wearisome and yet unprofitable, was now blessed. It was blessed by God. It was fruitful. God had blessed it. Isn't th- isn't this what we desire? I can assure you this is what our Savior desires for us. He wants to be the head of our lives. He wants to be the Lord of our lives. He wants to prosper us, but He wants us to prosper in the thing that He's called us to do. That could be a secular job, but do it as unto God, and it's spiritual. That could be in your education or or what degree you want to go after, but do it as unto God and become spiritual. But do it at the Lord's bidding. Do it at His leading. Peter says, I work and I strive according to His working which worketh in me mightily. I want to read another Scripture. We'll read one more Scripture and talk about it for just a moment. Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchmen Waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. That's a wonderful passage. When it says vain several times in here, it's vain. It's vain. Vain means useless. Useless. It's a waste. It's a ruin. It's actually false. So if there's a deceitfulness to it, not only is it a waste and and it's worthless but there's a deceitfulness to it because it looks like it's worth something. And and idols for example in the Bible are called uh, vanity and vain cuz they might they might have some appearance of something majestic or godly and yet they can't help, they can't see or hear or speak or deliver or help or save. They're dumb idols. The Bible says in their vanity And it's vanity for anyone to bow down to them and worship them. Well here, he says, except the Lord builds the house. They labor in vain to build it. So there are people building houses. I think there are Christian people building houses, building their lives. Oftentimes, without Christ being the sinner. Without the Lord building the house. They're building what they want to build. And they're maybe not being led by the Lord. They are maybe being led by the Lord, but they're not waiting on His timing. Maybe they're building in a godly thing and a Christian thing, but they're not laboring by his power that works that could work in them mightily. They're trying to do it in their own strength. It's all vanity. He says they, they labor in vain. They're laboring. They're working. But except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain. They build it. He says it's vain for you to rise up early. I think about that someone that, that someone being that gets up early and works hard. They're going to put their nose to the grindstone. They're they're not going to be lazy and they're going to work hard, which is a great trait and a quality. But if we're doing that, it's vain to do that and to sit up late. Maybe we're burning the candle at both ends and we're wondering, why am I not prospering? I'm not just talking about finances. I believe this is in every area of our lives. Growing in Christ, raising your children, uh, uh, serving God, uh, ministry, whatever it may be. You know, we're, we're getting up early, we're staying up late and we're working, and yet it's not God building the house. We need to slow down. We need to get to our own altar. The altar of the Lord and meet with Him and find out what in the world's going on. And maybe we'll find out we've been laboring in a field that's not the Lord's field. We've been laboring according to our own strength and power. And God says that's vanity. But God's way... Is not vanity, amen? God's way is perfect. That's for God, 2 Samuel 2, 31. His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He's a buckler to all them that trust in Him. I love it. As for the Lord. His way is perfect. When Peter said, Nevertheless, at Thy word, and he obeyed the Lord, he found out God's way is so much better. God's way is perfect. I worked all night and took nothing. But he just spoke to me and I did it. And and look what was produced from that. Do you know, and I'll be bringing this to a close, but God wants to spare us. I say us, his people. He wants to spare us from vanity. He wants to spare us from a life of toil, a wearisome labor which does not prosper. He wants to spare us from wasting our time. I've wasted a lot of time in my life. Unfortunately, I've wasted much time since I've been saved. Maybe pursuing something in my own strength and my own leading, and it was not, to come to find out later, it was not what God had for me. I've spent money and wasted money on things that was not the Lord. We do that at times, but God wants us to learn, amen? He wants us to grow. Peter did that, and then God taught him a lesson, and he learned God wants to spare us from vanity and wasting our time and our strength and our effort. It's not our Lord's will for His saints to be fruitless, to be barren. Amen? And 2 Peter, Peter talks about it, chapter 1, verse 8, in the spiritual sense. But if these things abound and remain in you and abound, they they make you that you should neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that's talking about the fruit of the Spirit and the working of God in our lives. But still, it's not God's intent for His people to be unfruitful and barren and frustrated. He has allowed us, us as His people, to be partakers, as as I said, of His nature, And he wants us to be strengthened by in the inner man by the Holy Ghost. He wants us to prosper. He wants us to bear much fruit. Yes, the people of God work. This is not a sermon that the people of God should not work. We work and we work hard. Paul said, I labor more abundantly than they all." But it's not me that's working. It's the grace of God that's in me, that's been given to me, that's actually doing the work. Uh, Paul says, do the work of an evangelist. He told Timothy, people of God work, but he doesn't want us to work and be fruitless. He wants us to work and prosper. Amen. Now, our prosperity, I'll say this, working in in what God's called us to do and prospering in that thing, according as he's enabled us to and and blessed us, it's not always noticeable what the world would notice and say, oh, that brother's really prospering over there. It may not be some prosperity that's outwardly open for the world to take note of. You might be successful and I might be successful in what God's called me to do and it might not even be noticeable to others in the church to a great extent. Maybe you're laboring and God's doing a great deep work in your life. You're laboring and you're toiling but it's not fruitless. He's doing a great work in your life. He's doing great work through your ministry that most of the church world doesn't take note of. So it's not that we don't labor. We do labor, but we labor and we prosper and we're fruitful. And I'm going, to, I'm going to close with pretty much one thought here. And the thought is this. What a difference it makes to the worker, okay, to the laborer. What a difference it makes to the laborer when the laborer knows that he's going to be successful when he sets his hands to the plow and he knows it's going to be successful, when, when he knows God's called him to do it and beforehand and God's called him and he steps out now. He, he steps out now. It makes all the difference in the world to know beforehand, I'm going to work hard tomorrow. I'm going to work hard all week. I'm going to work hard all month, all year, the rest of my life. I'm going to work hard in whatever God calls me to do. My secular job, ministry, uh, volunteer work, whatever he calls me to do, I'm going to work hard at it. I'm going to work hard at knowing Jesus more, studying to show myself approved. I'm going to work hard. But he's going to give me the strength to do it, and it is going to prosper. It makes a big difference when the laborer knows ahead of time he's going to prosper in that thing. Now, I think about this example for, for... for parents raising their children. When, when, when parents know ahead of time that the promises of God are true, and the Lord says, for example, train up a child in the way that he should, he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. We know that when we were raising our children, we know that that's what God has promised. Or when we tithe and give, to the Lord. We pay our tithes that we give to the Lord and give to the things of God. And the Bible tells us that he'll open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing upon us that we're not able to contain. Give and it shall be given unto you good measure shaken good measure shaken together, pressed together and running over shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all it shall be measured to you again. When I know that beforehand, when instead of saying I wonder if I should tithe I wonder if I should give. But when we know we're going to be successful, God's going to bless me for doing it. Or sharing the gospel. You know, a lot of times we we don't share the gospel. We think we're no good at it. We're not going to see any fruit out of it. We don't think anything's going to come of it. And yet we're called to share the gospel. And He's empowered us. And He's given us the message. We don't have to make up what to say. But the Bible promises, He that goeth forth weeping... Bearing precious seed, that's the word of God, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. He says, that's doubtless. What is he saying? We may not always see it, but he's telling us right here, you're going to prosper. Maybe some people you witnessed to, you never saw him, but you see him in heaven. We don't know all that. God knows all that. I'm simply saying it makes a difference when the worker knows he's going to be prosperous. Listen to this verse from 1 Corinthians nine ten, That he that ploweth should plow in hope. Plowing is hard work. I've never done it before. But I can imagine being behind a team of oxen, you know, with your strapped together, basically like one of the oxen, you got the plow in front of you, is very hard work. But he that ploweth should plow in hope, the Lord says. And he that thresheth, thresheth should thresh in hope and be a partaker of his hope. It makes a difference when we have hope in what we're doing. So the Lord's telling us ahead of time, you get out there and work, you work on what I've called you to do, and I can promise you it's going to be successful. It's going to prosper in the thing I've sent you to do, just like my word does. What if, for example, a party of people, they were on an airline, airplane and the plane crashed in the middle of... of British Columbia Alaska, or Alaska up in the mountains somewhere way out in the wilderness and all the people were able to survive. And, but they, they don't know where they are and they're in the middle of nowhere and, and they, they don't have enough food for more than a day and they don't have a lot of shelter and there's not a lot of hope. So well, we can just, you know, close your eyes. Let's just try to go that way and see what happens. There, you might do it and undertake that, to to be rescued, to be safe, to find some civilization. But without any real knowing, you know, there's not going to be that real putting your hand to the plow and getting after it. As far as you know, you're 800 miles from civilization and you know you got no shot. But what if somebody in your party says, no, wait, I know where we are. I've been here before. I used to guide expeditions up here. Hey, look! I know you're tired. We got about a mile and a half hike. That's it. Mile and a half hike around here and around that hill and that second hill. There's a little town right there. We're going to be safe. What do you think? It, you think it would make a difference to the people? They still have to get up and hike. They still have to go over rocks and hills and valleys. But they know they're going to be successful. They know they're going to make it. We that he that ploweth should plow in hope. We don't wonder if we're going to be successful. God has promised us that we're going to be successful in God and in the things of God. The Bible tells us in Galatians 6, 9, and let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season we maybe shall reap. No, he says we shall reap if we faint not. We shall reap if we faint not. Now I'm bringing this to a close right here, but our God has given us His promises. He's promised to bless his people. He's promised to bless us as we walk in his way. It's not a way of our own choosing. You and I has to do with Lordship. We've been bought with the price, with the blood of Jesus, the most expensive price that's ever been paid for anything. That we might be forgiven and we have been forgiven and washed in that same blood. But he purchased our redemption. He purchased us unto himself. And he has promised to prosper and bless us as we walk in his way. As we live for his glory and not for our own. As we labor according to his working which works in us mightily. That's the working of the Holy Ghost in and through our lives. As we, we function with his wisdom in his mind. And it's all for his glory. It's not me setting the own course of my life, even as a Christian, and saying, God, I'm a Christian. Come alongside and bless me. It is laboring in his vineyard. It's laboring according to his will. And I love it. He promises us this. You know, there might be a young person. And you really are wondering. There might be a young person, a teenager, even younger than that that's saying is it really worth it i got my whole life ahead of me is it really going to pay off for me to live for jesus maybe i'll do that later when i get old is it really worth it and you're counting the cost and you're thinking it over well god assures us it is worth it you'd say tonight look at your parents maybe they're christians or maybe you watch some other christians you know and say they're christians and man they had sorrow and heartaches and Things have gone. They've had some trials in their lives. And, you know, is it even worth it to really live for God? Somebody could ask that question of any age. But I think about this. There's so many scriptures that I could bring to you this morning. And you probably are thinking of some that assures that it is, by all means, worth it to live for God. Heaven is real. Fellowship and communion with the Lord Jesus Christ is real. Hell is real as well. But also just living for God. It says in, in Psalm, the first Psalm. It says that. It says, but and, and he shall breathe. The righteous shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So you saying, is it worth it? Am I, gonna, am I going? Am I going to prosper? If I live for God, he says, whatsoever we do is going to prosper. That individual life is going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, nourished by the Holy Ghost, like the uh, the, the branch grafted into the vine. And he whatsoever we do is going to prosper. The Lord has given us that witness from his his Holy, his Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, testifying that all the promises of God in Jesus are yea and in, in Him. Amen. He has given us the promises of His Word. And I'll just close with this. Don't labor in vain. Don't, don't set off on your own, on your own pursuits, and in your own pursuit, and in your own strength. I've done it before. I know we've done it before. Let the Lord build the house. It's all in vain if He does not let the Lord be in charge of your fishing trip, so to speak, like Peter learned to do in that, and we're to learn to do. I'll close with this verse. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It's not in vain. Living for God is not in vain. Bringing your children up in the, and rounding them up and having your prayer time and teaching them the things of God and the Word of God and bringing them to Sunday school. Being a witness in the workplace and not joining in all the, the, the care, careless worldly things that you could slip into. It's worth it. It's going to prosper. It's all going to prosper. All your labor handing out a tract to somebody, sharing the gospel with somebody, studying and preparing to teach a Sunday school class, studying and preparing to teach a children's class. It's all, none of our labor in the Lord is in vain. So we're to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, God's going to prosper us, amen? And it's going to be for His glory, not our own. Father, we praise You this morning. God, we thank You that we can labor, like Paul said, "I labor according to His working, which worketh in me mightily. By the power of the Holy Spirit, God, lead us, guide us, forgive us, God. We've all done it. We don't want to continue to do it, though. We've all undertaken pursuits to be successful, to achieve something in education, in work, even in ministry, in life. We were striving to achieve something and attain something, and we've been frustrated and fruitless. Forgive us, God, because so many times we've undertaken to do what we thought was best, what we wanted to do. It wasn't really for your glory. It wasn't at your initiative or your leading. It wasn't because the Lord spoke to us and separated us unto that work. Many times we've done things just because it made common sense to us. And I know you give us common sense, Lord. But anything we would pursue after, God, help us to pursue after God, after Christ, and help us to labor according to your will and by your might. You promise it's not in vain, God. Help us in strength and strengthen us, God. Let us learn from this message this morning. Let us learn from Peter toiling all night and taking nothing and then letting down his net and and bringing in such a haul of fish. Lord, God, let us learn from that, the spiritual truth of what you're teaching us, God. We pray you'd bless us and bless our lives. Bless us spiritually, Lord. Grow us spiritually and let us bear much fruit for your glory and honor. We love you and we praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.